is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me on this Friday night. It is April 22nd, 2022. This is your SmackDown and AEW Rampage post-show. I am your host, JD, from New York, as always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Friday nights, wherever you may be. I don't know what happened tonight, man. I, I really, SmackDown always sucks, don't get me wrong. It may be the worst show of the entire wrestling week is SmackDown. But I I don't really feel anything going into this Backlash show. We don't even have Roman Reigns defending the Universal Heavyweight Undisputed Championship of WWE at this show. One week, I thought it was going to be Nakamura. And then this week, we don't really get anything as to who he's defending that title against. I don't even think Roman needs to be at the show, to be quite honest with you. I don't think his his title defense is really necessary. I don't think his title defense is necessary at Backlash. I just say give the main event to RK-Bro and the Usos and unify the WWE Tag Team Championships and have that be the main event of the show. But Roman has nobody that is really worthy of defending him or the fighting him, I should say. Roman has nobody worthy to defend the titles against. But what they did do tonight is plant a seed. Now, when this seed grows into something, I don't know. But what they did tonight is plant a seed for Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. Whenever that's going to be, I don't know. But we got two major stadium shows coming up this summer in both Money in the Bank and SummerSlam. So WWE is already planting the seeds for Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre sometime this summer. And no, they did not announce Roman Reigns versus Shinsuke Nakamura for Backlash. It don't even make sense. I don't even know why we bother doing it. Other than that, SmackDown really didn't have anything of notes. Uh, A contract signing with Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair that almost put me to sleep right at the top of the show. Ronda Rousey continues to just absolutely be a complete bore on commentary or or on the microphone. God forbid she does commentary. She'll put the whole fucking arena to sleep. But Ronda Rousey and and what she's doing on WWE television, there is no interest in anything that she's doing, man. She don't feel like a big deal. This feud with Charlotte Flair is, is an absolute bust like I predicted it would be way back when when the rumors were starting that Charlotte was going to get Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania instead of Becky Lynch. Nothing that these two ladies have done have generated any buzz or any interest whatsoever. 
So we got a contract signing tonight. We'll go over how that went and how poor Ronda Rousey sounded on the microphone again in Albany, New York. Fuck Albany. Nothing against my fine people in New York, but Albany is a shithole. Also on tonight's show, we got a lumberjack match with Sami Zayn and Drew McIntyre. I mean, I don't really care what's going on. This is just something to keep Drew McIntyre busy until he gets to the WWE Universal Championship match with Roman Reigns, whenever that may be. Ricochet continues to look like a loser with the Intercontinental Championship. Directionless is Ricochet. They have him feuding with Jinder fucking Mahal. I can't wait for the week that we see Jinder Mahal win the Intercontinental Championship, man. You know it's coming. You know it is coming. Sasha Banks and Naomi, they have no challenges left in the women's division for the tag team titles. So in comes Natalia, who is now on Monday and Tuesday and now Friday. So we need three weeks of, or three days rather, out of the week for Natalia. It's great. It's exactly what I want to see on my television. So we got Sasha Banks and Naomi now defending the titles against Shayna Baszler and Natalia. It's great. There's legitimately no interest in anything that's going on right now on Friday night. And the show tomorrow, or the show tonight rather, for next week is going to be taped. They taped an additional episode of SmackDown tonight after this one went off the air because WWE is going overseas to Europe, I believe, next week. And they're not going to be in the States, and they're taping SmackDown. So next week's big show with the Steel Cage match, Drew McIntyre and Sami Zayn, they announced, will be inside a Steel Cage, is going to be a taped show. On AEW Rampage, we didn't really have much of uh, anything else going on on AEW's side of things. The Owen Hart Cup Tournament, that was a very good match with Tomohiro Ishii and Adam Cole. Probably the best thing on the entire show. We got Adam Cole advancing to the Owen Hart tournament legitimately. So he now qualified along with Kyle O'Reilly and Samoa Joe. So it's shaping up to be one hell of a tournament with already those three guys involved in the tournament. And I love how Tony Khan is really bringing a sense of importance to the Owen Hart Cup matches. And I hope that continues on throughout this entire tournament. I'm very excited to see the full field. And when we get these matches on TV, how important they're going to come off on TV. But I think Tony Khan has done a absolutely beautiful job so far at making each one of these matches important. And I love the feel of everything that's going on right now at this tournament. Jay Cargill, she defended the TBS championship against Marina Shafir. Not really all that exciting. It was absolutely boring. I expected it to be a complete botch fest. But it it did not look as terrible as I expected it to be. But it was utterly boring is the best way for me to describe it. Nobody gave a shit. And Jade Cargill goes on to win another match. And she is now 30 and 0. So what are we doing with Jade Cargill? I, I have no idea. I don't know what's going on there. But it's seemingly looking like she's running out of competition as well in the AEW women's division. I don't know how much longer... She can remain undefeated. So we'll see what happens with Jade. Eddie Kingston and Daniel Garcia, they had themselves a nice little brawl tonight with no outside interference. And AEW is hyping up a big dynamite next week with the Wardlow and MJF storyline where MJF has now enlisted the services of Jake the Snake Roberts and Lance Archer to take out the big man Wardlow. So we got a lot to talk about tonight. And I want to thank you guys so much for joining me 
right here on Off The Script for your Friday nights. This is SmackDown and AEW Post Show right here on OTS. Next time you guys will see me live is on Sunday night. We're going to go live again with episode 427 of Off The Script, man. Should be a good show. We're going to take this week's big story of Triple H finally opening up about how he feels about NXT 2.0, man. We're going to talk about that. We're going to dissect what he said. Not really surprised at what he did say this week, but I find it to be utterly disgraceful that people still think WWE changed NXT because it needed a change. No, no, it wasn't in need of a change. It wasn't in, in need of a change of anything. They wanted to beat AEW, he failed, and then they punished him. That's the way it ended up happening. They're not going to tell you that. He's not going to tell you that. But we're going to talk about it on Sundays live off the scripts for episode 427. Make sure you guys follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Go check out all the content that you might have missed on the channel this week. There is plenty of it. So go check all that stuff out Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And a couple of extras thrown in there as well. So make sure you guys go check the homepage for more content right here on the channel. Hit up my sponsor for today's show, man. Which is sponsored tonight by Manscaped. Manscaped.com. That is Manscaped.com. Code Script20. At checkout to save 20% off and free shipping. Hit that like button down below as well, man. Likes help me out. They go a long way. Try for a thousand likes minimum on tonight's OTS. So hit that thumbs up. And guys, get your super chats in. Super chats, get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. And hit that join button, man. We are nearing, we are nearing 700 members of the OTS VIP club, man. You guys want to be a part of this OTS VIP club. You got to hit that join button. Hit that join button, become a channel member, and let's get the show on the road, man. I'd love to hit 1,000 sometime this summer, man. Can you imagine 1,000 VIPs? Holy shit. Sounds like a damn good party to me, man. So make sure you guys get those super chats in and get your uh, channel memberships in by hitting that join button, as always. And thank you for all the support right here on Off The Scripts. WWE started SmackDown off tonight in the most boring way possible, man. They want to put everybody to sleep. They want to put everybody to sleep. Ronda Drowsy. Ronda Drowsy. She comes out, and we have a contract signing with Charlotte Flair for WrestleMania Backlash. I don't really get these contract signings. I don't really get these contract signings. The match has been announced now for two weeks. You would think that a contract has been signed to then officially make a statement for the match and get the graphic out. I don't know why we're signing the contract after the match has already been made and planned and announced for two weeks now. These are the little things that bother me. They don't make sense. And I call them out on it. Why are we doing a contract signing when it's always the same shit? Seriously, contract signings are so, so passe, man. They are so old school. Like, WWE doesn't even do them right anymore. They don't. You're lucky to get one of these things that actually is good television. Now, I remember when 
Cody Rhodes was a part of a contract signing. I don't know who it was with, but I know AEW did some contract signings and they made it a big fucking deal, man. They made it feel like a big fucking match. These contract signings in WWE always end up the same way. Sign a contract, babble back and forth, flip a table over, and all this other bullshit. It may make sense to WWE, but it certainly doesn't make sense to the smartest fucking guy in the entire community. Me. Doesn't make sense. No need for contract signing when the fucking match has already been announced and graphics have been made for the match for now two weeks. So Charlotte Flair is out there. I missed last week's SmackDown. I was doing the House of Glory show. Thank God I missed it. Apparently, I missed Charlotte Flair beating the shit out of Drew Gulak, man. What a fucking disgrace that is, huh? What a fall from grace has Drew Gulak been. This guy has Nick Khan budget cut written all over him, man. I'm watching that segment. I didn't even bother watching SmackDown last week. I don't know. Why, why, the, why the fuck would I? Why would I? I see this segment on tonight's show. They did a replay of last week. And Charlotte Flair put Drew Gulak in a fucking figure eight, making him tap out. This guy, I am shocked, still has a job. And everything I'm looking at from last week's show in whatever they got Drew, Drew Gulak doing, it, it almost feels like they're, they're putting him in that role. They're putting him in that role. And it seems like a role where WWE would want to embarrass you before they fucking kick you out the door. Absolutely pathetic. A world-class professional wrestler being put in a fucking figure eight by Charlotte Flair, slapped around by Charlotte Flair, and embarrassed as a backstage interviewer. Ridiculous. So, they're doing this contract signing, and Adam Pearce is out there. He's moderating the whole thing. He welcomed everybody to Friday Night SmackDown. Don't welcome me to SmackDown because I don't really give a shit. Pierce referred to Charlotte as one of the most dominant women in WWE history. Charlotte's music then hit. She comes down the aisle. She's dressed ridiculously. And Michael Cole and Pat McAfee talking up the I Quit match. It's an I Quit match at WrestleMania Backlash. They show the Drew Gulak segment. Charlotte was in the ring taunting the crowd and holding up her title. Pierce then, then, then introduced Ronda Rousey. Pierce called her a legend in her own right. Ronda Rousey is nowhere near a legend in WWE, so the word should not even be thrown around when describing Ronda Rousey. So she comes out, she's smiling, and she's shaking hands and all this other bullshit because WWE needs her to be a babyface. Even though she doesn't want to be there, she hates everybody. Ronda Rousey is smiling and shaking hands with everybody at ringside. So they're sitting down, and they're both sitting opposite of each other. And Pierce says he needs two signatures on the contract. He looks down on the table, and the contract is not there. Out runs Drew Gulak like a fucking geek. Drew Gulak runs out. He's got the contract in his hand. He then takes the microphone, and he wanted to do a PowerPoint presentation over the rules that are an I Quit match. So he wanted to go over all the rules for an I Quit match. He is now apparently Adam Pierce's assistant, his new assistant. He's interning for his new uh, position here as Adam Pierce's new assistant. I, I hope that this is a continuity storyline or continuing the storyline from Sonya Deville all of a sudden wanting to challenge for the Raw Women's Championship. She can't do the wrestler thing and then do the backstage executive thing at the same time. 
You got to do one or the other. So it looks like, just from my understanding, I don't know if that's the case or not. Who the fuck knows with Bruce Pritchard writing this show, that Drew Gulak may be taking Sonya Deville's spot next to Adam Pierce. Fine. Fine. Then we need to get Sonya Deville out of that role completely. So he wanted to do a PowerPoint presentation. Charlotte told him to shut the hell up. God, her voice just sickens me. Rousey tried to stand up for Gulak, and she mumbled something into the microphone. I don't know what the fuck she said. Apparently, she's so stupid, she doesn't realize that she's got a microphone in her hand, and she has to hold it next to her mouth for people to hear her. Putting everybody to sleep, mumbling. It's like she was legitimately fucking sleeping and mumbling into the microphone. So Charlotte said that she will explain the rules to Ronda Rousey if Ronda Rousey wants. Crowd starts chanting, you tapped out, you tapped out, which she did behind the referee's back. Charlotte told the crowd that she was fixing her bra at WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I remember seeing. You were fixing your bra at WrestleMania. It's a great one, Charlotte. Awesome. Crowd is still chanting, you tapped out. Charlotte said this match has no rules and only ends when one superstar quits. I want to quit just listening to this woman speak. One woman has to quit. Charlotte says she's thought of ways to make Rousey quit. Listed all her moves. Nobody cares. She said it doesn't matter because she always finds a way to win. She said that Rousey is going to say the two best words in the English English language. I quit. Charlotte signed the contract and then shoved it over to Ronda Rousey. So, crowd is still taunting her. I quit, I quit. She says, I'm going to tell Ronda at at, uh, Backlash. I'm going to have you say, I quit. Crowd is getting all over uh, Charlotte Flair. And she taunts the crowd some more. But I beat her at WrestleMania. I have the title. She just comes off as annoying. So, Rousey said that there won't be... um There won't be a referee to save you uh, at Backlash, Charlotte. Rousey said um, a a referee won't pull her off of Charlotte either. And um, I'm going to humiliate Charlotte at Backlash by forcing her to admit that Ronda Rousey is better. Charlotte then uh, turned the table over and flipped the table over. And Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey, when the table got flipped over, immediately grabbed her arm. It's almost as if she did not expect the table to be flipped over onto her at the end of this segment. She just stood there in a way where her body language said, what the fuck are you doing? I wasn't expecting that. And she was holding her arm, standing there, all hunchback like a fucking, uh, like Gollum. I mean, I don't get the terrible acting. She can't even fucking speak and cut a promo, and then she's standing in the ring holding her arm as if she didn't expect the table to be flipped over on her by Charlotte Flair. I'm I'm like, what the fuck am I watching here, man? What a disastrous way to open the show. The acting here is fucking garbage. It is so bad. So, the table was flipped over, and all of a sudden they start brawling. Charlotte went after Ronda Rousey with a kendo stick. Started beating Ronda with a kendo stick. Rousey recovered, took the kendo stick from Charlotte and started beating Charlotte with it. Charlotte retreated as Gulak 
then tried to pull these two women apart. And Rousey ended up giving Gulak Piper's Pit, her fallaway slam, then put Gulak in an armbar, and Ronda Rousey signed the contract on Gulak while she had him in the armbar, making Drew Gulak tap out. And Charlotte Flair looked on from the outside, right at the edge of the ramp. This was a little uh, a little awkward, to say the least, by both Charlotte and Ronda Rousey. We have Gulak now becoming a WWE intern for Adam Pearce, who's been treated like a fucking complete jobber, and he's got Nick Khan budget cut written all over him. If he makes the next round of cuts, I will be floored. It just feels and looks like they put somebody in this position to merely embarrass them. World-class athlete is Drew Gulak. He's over here fucking wearing suits and being submitted by both Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair in back-to-back weeks. Rousey is absolutely fucking garbage television. And I'm sure she's a, a, a lovely woman. But her acting skills come off to me as if she doesn't want to be there. I do not want to watch somebody on my television that comes off the way Ronda Rousey does, and what I see is somebody that is just barely getting by and doing the bare basics to get by weekly television, and there's nothing as far as excitement coming out of Ronda Rousey. She does not want to be there, so why do I want her on my TV challenging for a SmackDown Women's Championship that she's inevitably going to win because Fox is not going to have it any other way, and then we have to have this woman leading the division? Oh, my God. I can't stand her on television now, chasing the title. We got to have her as the champion after Backlash? Because you know she ain't losing. Charlotte got her token win when it mattered at WrestleMania, and Ronda Rousey's going to get the win at Backlash, and then the division might as well fucking fold and call it a day. Shit will be utter garbage with Ronda Rousey leading the division. It sucks with Charlotte leading the division. Can you imagine Ronda? Drowsy! My God, man, I don't know if I need to fucking make myself a whole pot of coffee instead of a cup of coffee during SmackDown. I'm going to start calling Ronda Rousey the walking fucking NyQuil ad. Holy shit. She ain't DayQuil. That's the non-drowsy shit. She's the fucking NyQuil, man, the green pill, not the orange pill. Oh, my God. Merely here for a fucking paycheck, and that's all it comes off as. She don't want to be here. She don't give a fuck about the division. Figured somebody like that with name value like that comes on in and makes the division better. She's making the division worse. Worse. What a shit way to open the show. We got Michael Cole talking about whatever happened last week with Ridge Holland, Sheamus, Scrappy-Doo, and the New Day. Butch apparently jumped Xavier Woods last week, jumped over a table and beat the shit out of him. So Xavier Woods comes out, he's wrestling Butch tonight on SmackDown. You know, I know I complain about a lot of things on WWE television, but I have every right to do so because none of it makes sense. The one thing that bothers me, and this is not the first time that WWE's done something like this, when you got somebody like Butch, who is a part of an act, or a stable, or a group of guys, and Butch, who is his own man, 
and should have his own theme music, his own personality, his own everything. When somebody like Butch comes out and has to come out to Seamus's theme music, how does that make Butch look to the viewer at home? It, it, it makes Butch look like a complete loser. It makes Butch look like somebody that doesn't have his own identity, and there's nothing about Butch that Butch owns or is Butch that I care about. They're basically putting everything that Seamus is with Rich Holland and Butch. Rich Holland also comes out to Seamus's theme music. I'm sorry, I'd like to see Butch come out with his own fucking theme music with Seamus and Rich Holland walking behind him, not the other way around. I don't want to see him come out with Seamus's theme music and then Seamus comes out walking in front of everybody as if he's going to wrestle Xavier Woods. That doesn't come off as Butch, Pete Dunne, being important. It's the little things to me that matter. And WWE can't even be bothered to do the little things that matter. So we got this match here. Scrappy-Doo versus Xavier Woods. Let me at him! Let me at him, Scoob! It's what he is. Puppy power. Butch. Reggie. Woods had an early advantage here. Got a knee to the face and a clothesline on Butch for a near fall. Butch fought back with some forearms and slowed the pace down doing the joint manipulation thing. And Michael Cole even did mention joint manipulation. So it's, it's, it's all right. You know, Pete Dunne, Butch, has maintained that same style from NXT on the main roster, which is a great thing to say. I, I will say something positive about Butch. He is the same Pete Dunne that we know and loved in NXT, and he's wrestling the same way. Except in NXT, he was cool, and on Mon- uh, on Friday, rather, on Friday Night SmackDown, let me at him, Scoob! Let me at him! Bruce Prichard watches Saturday morning cartoons in his fucking extracurricular activity uh, time at home. Recapping fucking Scooby-Doo, man. Yeah, we're gonna put you uh, with Seamus and Rich Holland, and we're gonna give you uh, the uh, Scrappy-Doo shtick. Dressing like somebody from 1930s, Boston, Massachusetts, man, when the Irish Mafia ran rampant in Boston. Because that's what they look like. So, forearms, short manipulation, slowing the pace down. He worked over Wood's arm, stomped on his elbow. Woods tried fighting back. Butch grabbed his face and threw him into the corner. Woods recovered and sent Butch to the floor. Followed up with a drop kick that sent Butch into the announce table. Holland and Sheamus got in. Woods' uh, face, Kofi Kingston comes over and backs up Woods. Butch took advantage, jumped off the steel steps in between both Sheamus and Ridge Holland and clothesline Xavier Woods down to the mat on the outside. So we go to commercial break, and then we come back from commercial break. Butch is still in control. He's working over Woods' arm, continuing the joint manipulation. Woods fought back with some forearms and some chops. Butch then recovered, hit a release German suplex, goes for recover, gets a two count. Suddenly, Woods caught Butch with a backwoods, his small package. This is his finisher now, by the way. He calls this the backwoods, which is a small package. So WWE knows that they have a problem with roll-up finishes. Everybody loses by a roll-up, and now they've made it into a thing with Xavier Woods as a way to mock you. Now they try to think it's—they uh, they try to get you to think it's funny, and it's not. It, it just looks more 
ridiculous than ever before. But that's how he beats Pete Dunne with a fucking small package out of nowhere. Now, I don't understand how Pete Dunne hasn't won a match yet. Why haven't we gotten this man a win yet on Friday night? He's now winless since he's been called up. Why? Is it not important to establish your new talent, your new, fresh, vibrant talent in Pete Dunne? I don't understand why he can't get a victory over Xavier Woods or Kofi Kingston. And why are we still feuding with these fucking guys? Well, like, what, what is the deal here? What, what, what's the entire issue between these guys? How can I look at this match and say anything positive about it when the entirety of their program to me is one big question mark? Why the fuck are they fighting? Why the fuck are they fighting? It legitimately is a fucking rerun every single week with Friday Night SmackDown. I don't know why they're feuding. I don't know why the fuck I'd care. What is the importance of these two guys in the ring together tonight? What's on the line? Why is it so important? I don't understand it. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't understand it. Butch is now winless on SmackDown. Hasn't won a goddamn match yet. After the match, Butch was furious. He jumped out of the ring. He attacked the security guard right in the front row. And Sheamus and Holland tried to convince him to come back. He walked off through the crowd and never came back. It's exactly what I'd do if I'm Pete Dunne. Get the fuck out of here. Shit is awful. He is great. But this shit is fucking downright awful. We go from Butch and Woods to another loser, another couple of losers in Ricochet and Aaliyah. Yes, Aaliyah. She can't be bothered by wrestling on the show. They have her in ridiculous backstage segments, not doing anything, talking to another loser in catering, Ricochet. So Ricochet's in the back with Aaliyah. Aaliyah said that his match with Jinder Mahal last week was incredible. Incredible. Was it incredible, guys? Was Ricochet versus Jinder Mahal a five-star classic that I didn't even bother to go and watch the amazing match that these two had, man? Jinder Mahal, in my language, means pick up the remote control and change the channel. I'm sure it was great. Aaliyah ran down the men that Ricochet's beaten since becoming the Intercontinental Champion. Jinder Mahal, he beats Los Lotharios. Who else did he beat? Sami Zayn, right? Everybody says, no, it wasn't a good match. Incredible. Fuck out of here. 
So he's beat all these guys, a bunch of nobodies. And Ricochet said he'll take on all challengers and he wants to be one of the great IC champions. <laughs> oh man, Ricochet, bro, you should be a fucking comedian, man. You should, you should really be a comedian, man. Well, you, should, you should go fucking take tips from Dolph Ziggler, man. You want to be one of the greatest intercontinental champions of all time? That doesn't exist in modern-day WWE. Do you know who writes this show? The man that writes this show hates the intercontinental title. He wants to be one of the greatest intercontinental champions of all time. <laughs> oh, man. Man, I love these guys, man. They got fucking second careers waiting for them in the fucking comedy shop. So, Ginger Mahal and Shanky walk up and they interrupt this riveting conversation by Ricochet and Aaliyah. They taunt Ricochet. Shanky then challenged Ricochet to a match. Ricochet accepted. Mahal looked at Shanky like he did something wrong as Shanky stared at Ricochet. Yes, I can't wait to watch this unbelievable fucking showdown next week with Ricochet Versus Shanky. Oh man. Holy shit. Let me get my let me get my beverages on ice now. Seven days in advance. Fucking ridiculous. Jinder Mahal, I'm telling you right now, man. Jinder Mahal is going to eventually become the Intercontinental Champion. Watch. Guarantee it. Remember in 2017, it was at Backlash, the very same fucking show that he beat Randy Orton. To win the WWE Championship. I am predicting right now we get Mahal versus Ricochet at Backlash and Mahal wins the Intercontinental Championship five years later after he almost single-handedly destroyed SmackDown by winning the WWE title. Guarantee it. That's my prediction for WrestleMania Backlash this year with Jinder Mahal and Ricochet for the IC title. We got Ludwig Kaiser. He's out there, man. Ordering number four on the deli menu is Ludwig Kaiser, man. Holy shit. No lettuce and tomato, man. Spicy mustard, please. And some provolone on that one. Ludwig Kaiser. Got this spotlight on him. He introduced Gunther. Kaiser said that Gunther will stop at nothing to hold up the integrity of this great sport. Gunther's music hit. Made his entrance. He walks down the aisle. To absolutely no reaction whatsoever. None. Gunther is already a failure on the main roster. I just want you guys to be very well aware of that. This guy is not transitioning well to the main roster at all on Friday night. And I'll tell you why in a second. So he makes his way down to the ring. He is in this match. The fact that they're giving him job matches is fine. Let's see what he's got. Maybe uh, maybe one week he'll pop the fucking crowd here. He worked against Teddy Goods. This is uh, one of Joe Cronin's boys, Teddy Goods. Teddy Goods is actually a very good professional wrestler. So congratulations to him to my, finally making the big leagues here at Teddy Goods. So he's in this match with Gunther. He gets absolutely fucking destroyed. Gunther takes him down immediately with a big boot. Goods went for a drop kick. Gunther swatted him away, hit the big boot. Gunther tossed Goods into the corner and chopped away at him. This guy got chopped into oblivion, and the crowd didn't fucking make a single peep. Not at all for anything that Gunther was doing. So Goods, after the chop, fell to the apron. Gunther suplexed him back to the uh, inside of the ring. He had another big chop on Teddy Goods. 
Kaiser then uh, was at ringside clapping because he was enjoying this carnage that Gunther was giving Goods. Gunther hit another chop and then slammed Goods down to the mat and posed. Gunther then chopped Goods on the back, locked in a sleeper, followed by a powerbomb, rolled him up, one, two, three, and that was it. Gunther wins in two minutes. Now, I, I don't know if Albany, New York is like everybody else, or these arenas are like everybody else where WWE goes and travels to weekly. You know, I'm surprised we haven't heard the Walter chants. If the dumb NXT 2.0 marks at the Performance Center can continuously chant, Walter, don't you think that other people around the United States in much larger venues should be chanting, Walter? Or did Kevin Dunn already have the, the mute button on lock for when Walter chants start chiming in everywhere all over across the United States on WWE television? Haven't heard one single Walter chant since he's been on television yet. This guy's not transitioning well to the main roster at all, man. You know, there's just something about these foreign gimmicks that don't work in WWE. And this is their fault. This is their fault. This guy should not be as ice cold as he is right now. This is what happens when WWE doesn't plan and prepare well enough for incoming talent. There is absolutely no fucking reason why Walter should not be with Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner. There's no reason why they have to start off the way that they're starting off now by winning job matches. Walter does not need job matches. He doesn't. Get this guy in a major fucking program stat. I don't know why this guy didn't come out and bring his boys fucking months ago and track down the bloodline or track down the New Day or go after Big E. I don't get it. You bring them in and you don't even bring all of them in. Fabian Eichner's fucking somewhere. I don't know where the fuck he is. Marcel Bartel gets his fucking name changed. His last name is fucking... uh, Ludwig Kaiser. I'm not ordering a fucking knish at the goddamn deli. Ludwig Kaiser. What the fuck is a Ludwig Kaiser, okay? And I love me some potato knishes, man. Don't get me wrong. But this shit is fucking lame. You change their theme music. You change their names. Their presentation is terrible. Nobody gives a shit about them. And you're putting them in fucking job matches. These guys should have come in and made a major splash on the main roster. And all I hear is the sound of silence. If he got a reaction, it's one thing. Booed, one thing. But he's got no reaction. The sound of silence is the fucking death of you on WWE television, man. And this is only two weeks. This is only two weeks, I know. But all I need is two weeks. If the crowd reaction is that dead for somebody as good as Walter... I don't see anything coming of this run for him and Marcel Bartel. It's fucking sad. It really is sad. And the thing is, WWE has this thing where, you know, they take, you know, Sangha. If you guys watch NXT, well, Grayson Waller's Sangha, they shoot from the floor up and pretend this guy's like fucking 10 feet tall. They do the same thing with Omas on Monday Night Raw. Walter is six foot four, 260 pounds. This guy is as big as they come in WWE. And because the way WWE is treated guys like Omos and guys that size, you, you look at a, a, a guy like Walter and he doesn't even 
He doesn't even compare. They should be shooting Walter like that. This guy's a fucking skyscraper. Six foot four. Like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? A complete shit show. They don't know how to handle talent. They don't know how to creatively book talent. This guy should have been in something huge, making a big splash. He's on fucking SmackDown doing job matches, and nobody gives a shit, man. It really is. It really is just sad. Matt Riddle and Randy Orton, they were in the back. Riddle says he's going to hit Jay with something even sicker than what he used on Jimmy Uso. Riddle says he's happy to be on SmackDown to see his blue, his blue brothers. Drew McIntyre then comes out of nowhere. Riddle said that he signed himself and Orton up to be lumberjacks in McIntyre's match with Sami Zayn later. Riddle told Orton not to worry. He doesn't have to wear flannel. McIntyre, because lumberjacks wear flannel. McIntyre said that anyone that stands up to the bloodline is fine with him. Orton said that he and McIntyre are all good seeing what happened to them a few years back as they were feuding over the WWE title. They all walked off. Sami Zayn was lurking in the background, spying on them, eavesdropping on their conversation. So like a little rat, Sami Zayn goes back and tells Roman Reigns exactly what these guys we're talking about. RK Bro versus the Usos is going to be something I'm looking forward to at the pay-per-view. The, the thing is, and a lot of people never understood why I wanted the brand split to end so badly or merge the tag team division so badly. You do realize, look at what they're doing. Now, grant, granted, Riddle versus Jay Uso tonight was a very good match. Probably the best thing on the entire show. But WWE has this thing where they book tag team feuds and they take these random singles matches with all four guys in both of these teams and they give you singles matches that eventually lead to the big tag team match at the pay-per-view. This is a rinse and repeat formula for WWE that I've been complaining about for the last seven fucking years. I am so sick and tired of it. And I honestly have a feeling that even when they merge the tag team divisions and they unify these titles, I don't think that mentality is going to change at all. I mean, who are the tag teams on WWE television that really are stable enough to be in that division? Street Profits, the Alpha Academy, RK Bro, they're not going to be together for all that uh, much longer. I I do think that they eventually split this year, and a heel turn for Randy Orton is going to happen. That's three teams right there. One of them is not even a real fucking tag team. You got the Viking Raiders, they're dead. Los Lotharios, they're dead. Who else is there? Where is their tag team division? I don't know. But WWE always, they, they always do the same thing. Singles matches, singles matches, singles matches with all four of these guys. And then we get the tag team match at the pay-per-view. That's not a tag team division. You're going to need more than five fucking teams for, for uh, WWE or in WWE to call this an actual division. AEW has how many fucking tag teams? You don't see singles matches with their fucking tag teams every fucking week. It's a disease. It is a mentality that I don't see a lot of people complaining about, and I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of it. You got the fucking shills who just bend over backwards and take whatever WWE uh, gives them, and nobody complains about this. I've been complaining about this for seven fucking years, and the sad thing is, when we merge the fucking titles, it's going to be the same fucking thing. Nothing's going to change. Nothing will change. 
Xia Li. Xia Li. She was in the back. Finally makes another TV appearance, man. Thought Somebody thought uh, she was uh, stuck in catering. I thought she was stuck in catering for the remainder of her fucking WWE run. She said she was the protector. But she's out there, and she hasn't seen anyone worthy of her protection. So now she protects herself. So let me get this straight, Bruce. Let me get this straight. You, you wasted how much on the company's budget? To, pro- to produce these, these vignettes for Xia Lee, right? To produce these vignettes for Xia Lee, these comic drawn, fucking nicely drawn vignettes for Xia Lee, giving her a backstory about her being the protector and what she meant to her family growing up and her being the first Chinese born woman to wrestle for WWE, only to drop the entire fucking act. And drop the protector gimmick and now have her say, I'm protecting myself because I don't find anybody worthy in WWE of protecting. So you wasted weeks of our TV time for this gimmick to ultimately drop the gimmick and then have her just go out there and not protect anybody. It's unbelievable. It is absolutely unbelievable, man. The fucking indecision and the indecisiveness of this fucking company. It is mind-boggling. This woman is going nowhere. I said it from day one. She's going nowhere. What are you protecting yourself from? You can't protect yourself from WWE's creative writing. What, what, do you know where you work? You're going to protect yourself from what? Burial? By Bruce? <laughs> Another fucking comedian on this show, man. What are you protecting yourself from? Holy shit. You know, catering, you know, I I heard there's a lot of protection in catering, man. I don't know why you need protection there. That may be the safest place in the entire fucking company. Protecting. The fuck is she going to be protecting? Or or what is she going to protect herself from? Not with Vince and Bruce running around fucking doing what they got to do. Randy Orton and Matt Riddle make their way to the ring. We got Riddle versus Jey Uso. Another singles match. Another singles match with tag team wrestlers. Great. This was actually a very good match. Easily the best thing on the show. So, we got these two in the ring. Riddle had an early advantage on Jay Uso. Took over with some forearm shots. He then took it to Riddle did Uso with some hard chops against the ropes. Riddle fought back. Jay rolled out to the floor. Jay regained control and gave Riddle a back suplex on the announce desk to mock Randy Orton. So after the suplex on the announce desk, he pointed at Orton, mocked Orton. Jay and Riddle traded forearms now in the middle of the ring. Riddle rocked Jay with a Pele kick, some forearms, a suplex. Jay took control back when Riddle missed a Broton. Riddle fought back with the final flash knee. He went for the floating bro. He goes for the cover and only gets a two count. Riddle hit a draping DDT on Jay. And Orton gave Jimmy a back suplex on the announce desk. So he got his revenge, but on the other Uso. So Riddle went the RKO. Jay avoided it. He had a pop-up neck breaker. Riddle fought back with a running knee. Jay hit a super kick. Jay hit the Uso splash, but Riddle got the knees up. And he rolled up Jay for the one, two, three. And Randy Orton was hilarious here. He got in the ring and was celebrating because he helped aid Riddle on the outside. And he gets in the ring, he starts celebrating before the match was even fucking officially over, which was hilarious. 
And the crowd went crazy when Riddle got the one, two, three, and the roll up on Jay Uso for the victory. So that be- that makes Riddle beating Jimmy and Jay Uso. So you can pretty much guarantee that the Usos are walking out of backlash as the unified WWE Tag Team Champions. RK Bro is finished. I don't know if this is going to lead to their breakup. I don't know what's going to happen after the fact, but I do think this year we somehow get Randy Orton and Matt Riddle uh, in a singles feud, and Orton turns on Riddle. I think it really should be the next phase in the Orton and Riddle uh, of them working together. I really do think that would probably be best, and I'm ready for Matt Riddle to make a big splash as a singles guy. WWE, though, has to fix their tag team division, man. You can't be, can't be breaking up RK, bro, if you don't have another team ready to take their spot on the main roster, which right now the tag team division in WWE is just as bad as anything else on WWE television. It may actually be the weakest part of the entire company is their tag team division. It's never been a strong suit. But WWE really needs to get on the ball and get some fucking tag teams in that division. If you're going to merge the titles, we need a solid eight or nine tag teams on WWE television. Four is not going to cut it. We got Sasha Banks and Naomi. They come out and they're interviewed by Kayla Braxton about winning the WWE Tag Team Championships, Women's Tag Team Championships at WrestleMania. Kayla said Naomi called their shot two months ago, and they've been unstoppable since winning the titles at WrestleMania. Naomi said that they're just getting started. Crowd lightly started to chant, you deserve it, you deserve it, at Naomi and Sasha. Naomi said they knew that they were capable of uh, working together and doing great things, and that's why they're dominating and glowing. Banks then says, this is a sisterhood And Naomi has had her back since day one, and she will always have her back. Banks said that the boss and glow have no competition, legitimately. They said they have no competition, but they have no competition legitimately because there's no tag teams in the women's division. None. It's another fucking problem. Naomi ran down all their past opponents. Natalia and Shayna Baszler make their way to the ring. Natalia is on the microphone, and Natalia says they didn't beat them, so you do have competition. Banks said she saw Natalia and Baszler at Mania watching them win. Natalia said she's a three-time Guinness World Record holder. Wow. Wow, I'm impressed. What is she in the Guinness World Records for, Natalia? What did she do? Does anybody know? So she talks about her Guinness World Records. Baszler said they're going to take the titles and then it will be fun over for Sasha and Naomi. Baszler said everyone is looking at the next women's tag team champions. Banks and Naomi held up the titles. Naomi told Natalia and Baszler to try and come and take them. And then Shayna shoved Sasha Banks down hard as the segment came to a close. A, I don't care. B, how much better is Shayna Baszler on the microphone compared to Ronda Rousey, man? Holy shit. Maybe Shayna Baszler should be giving some tips to Ronda Rousey. Maybe we should be getting Shayna Baszler versus fucking Charlotte Flair for the Women's Championship. I don't care about this. WWE is merely throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks here with the women's tag team titles. I mean, these titles are the most unnecessary things in the entire company. Ever created. 
No need for women's tag team championships. They were created because of some political fucking bullshit online to better the women's division. And I honestly think that they've made the women's division worse. It's given me more television that I just don't care for, man. We don't need them. Sasha Banks and Naomi versus Natalia and Shayna Baszler, man. Great. When are we getting that? I'm sure it's, it's, it's going to be happening at the pay-per-view because they got nothing. How many singles matches are we going to see with Sasha versus Shayna and Sasha versus Natalia and then Baszler versus Naomi and Baszler versus Natalia? Yeah, I can't wait. I can book the fucking feud right now for it. I just did. That's the next four weeks of fucking television right there. Guarantee you next week we'll get fucking Baszler versus Naomi. Ridiculous. In fact, you know what? I think Naomi should turn on fucking Sasha. Sasha should turn on Naomi. Just get rid of them. Just get rid of the tag teams. Not needed. Sasha's a better heel anyway. That's what I was hoping for when I seen these two. They got no competition. Great. Have one turn on the other. Madcap Moss. Still wearing suspenders is Madcap Moss. Yeah, this show is great. I know. I don't believe I'm talking about this shit. This show is fucking dog shit. Madcap Moss and Happy Corbin were in the back. It's exactly what I want to see on my TV. Happy Corbin. Corbin said it made him happy to see Moss last week. Corbin says he's willing to be the bigger man and forgive Moss. He asked to have him back. Please come back, bro. Let's, let's do this thing like old times, man. We had a lot of memories together, a lot of, a lot of good laughs together. So Moss thought it over for a second. Moss told a bad joke and then said that ship has sailed. He made fun of the fact that Baron Corbin cannot grow hair anymore. So he declined Corbin's offer. So Moss makes his way out to the ring and he wrestles Angel Garza. Of Los Lotharios. They do the kiss cam. Moss wins in about two minutes. This was a complete waste of fucking time. And the fans just didn't really seem to care. At all. I mean, how, how the fuck could they? Madcap is going nowhere with that gimmick. And the, and the fucked up thing is, Riddick Moss is a great talent. There's a lot of people in that company that are very high on Riddick Moss. Paul Heyman included. I don't know why they have straddled him with this lame fucking gimmick. Holy shit. He's going nowhere with that Madcap Moss comedy fucking clown gimmick. So Moss took Angel down, back elbow, then back dropped him over the top rope onto Humberto. Angel caught Moss with a drop kick when Humberto grabbed his legs. Moss recovered and ran wild with a shoulder tackle in the corner. Moss sent Humberto back to the floor with a clothesline. He then took it to Angel with a, a, another shoulder block. And then hit his neckbreaker finisher, which he calls the punchline for the one, two, three. After the match, Corbin ran out and attacked Moss from behind. Corbin beat him down and hit the end of days. He jumped out of the ring and stole the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal Trophy. Great. Great. We're going to get Madcap Moss versus Baron Corbin at uh, WrestleMania Backlash, aren't we? Oh, man, I can't fucking wait, man. Let me get the cold beverages again on ice seven days in advance. I'm shaking with anticipation. Los Lotharios, man, what the fuck are they doing? Seriously, they could have made this team into a massive threat in the tag team division, and they come off as two fucking jobbers. Two jobbers does Humberto Carrillo and Angel Garza look like, man. It's fucking sad. They should be... One of the best tag teams in the entire company just based off the body of work that both guys do and have. I don't get it. I just don't get it. 
They had a vignette about Raquel Gonzalez, <laughs> Rodriguez. Raquel Rodriguez from NXT. She's getting called up to SmackDown, and she's going to be making her in-ring debut next week. They showed footage and highlights of her time in NXT. And Raquel Gonzalez actually addressed her, or Rodriguez, excuse me, addressed her name change. On the main roster, she was speaking with cage side seats. And she explained why she's okay with the name change. She says this, and I quote, and this answer to the question comes off as if she just needed to give an answer, and it almost sounds like she didn't really know why they changed her name and most likely would have preferred to keep her old name instead of go with a new one. She says this, and I quote, they basically said, hey, you're getting a name change, and this is it. I was like, cool, that's fine. I really had no big arguments with that at all. It was just a simple little switch. It's funny. I was joking with Rhea Ripley last Friday because she was actually at SmackDown, and her initials are RR, Rhea Ripley. And we've always joked about being a tag team, and we had our feud in NXT. Well, now my initials are RR, Raquel Rodriguez. So it kind of just feels like it was meant to be, so I'm okay with it. We're starting to think of new tag names. Let me tell you something, honey. Raquel, well, well, Rhea Ripley, rather, does not need to be in another fucking tag team, okay? Number one. Number two, the name change is ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. Who is Raquel Rodriguez, man? It doesn't even have a nice ring to it. Raquel, Rod- Raquel Gonzalez. I-, I-, I don't get the name for a name change, man. I, I don't really understand it. You, you, there's no way anybody can convince me that these people wrestled in NXT for as long as they did. She already underwent a name change. She was Reina Gonzalez. Then they changed her to Raquel Gonzalez, and now she's Raquel Rodriguez. This is the simple thing that will kill an act dead before they even get started. And I don't know what they're doing with her, man. Remember, she was like a fucking badass. I don't know who she is anymore. I really don't know who she is. She came out. She looked badass. People were comparing her to China back when she was doing her thing in NXT. Now she looks like she's fucking ready for the model walkway. What did they do? I don't get it. I don't really get it, man. Another NXT call-up that I'm not excited about is Raquel Gonzalez. Rodriguez. So, Sami Zayn... He approached Roman Reigns' locker room. We're nearing the end of the show here, thank God. Sami Zayn approached Roman Reigns' locker room and considered knocking in Roman Reigns' locker room. Jay was making excuses for him losing to Riddle earlier in the evening. So, Jay says it won't happen again. Heyman says there's a guest to see Reigns. Heyman said that it's Sami Zayn. Zayn entered the locker room. He said he acknowledges Reigns and that he's a big fan of Roman. Zayn says that Reigns is the head of the table, no question. Sammy called himself the locker room leader, and he sees and hears everything going on. Zayn told Reigns that McIntyre was getting chummy with RK-Bro. Zayn said that RK-Bro are going to be lumberjacks in his match. Zayn then told Reigns that they said disrespectful things about Roman Reigns' family. Zayn says he has a proposal for the bloodline. And Zayn said he needs to beat McIntyre to regain his credibility. Sammy says... 
if he could get some help with that from the bloodline in return, he would help them when they need it. Zayn told Reigns that he can be a valuable ally. He reiterated that he acknowledges Roman Reigns, and Sami Zayn needs Reigns to acknowledge him. Sami Zayn then said, uh, all right, nice chat with you. He gets up, he walks away, and Reigns, he was thinking about it, he was thinking about it, and he said that there are people on his show running their mouths about our family. Go take our name out of their mouths, is what he said. So, Roman is upset. Roman is upset. Is he going to help Sami Zayn? Probably not. Roman doesn't need Sami Zayn's help whatsoever. Sami Zayn is great, though. One of the best parts about Friday night is Sami Zayn. Lacey Evans. We got another terrible Lacey Evans story. This is chapter three. I wish it was chapter zero. They're all fucking awful. Lacey Evans is telling the story about her mom and she said she grew up without her mom. Evans said she didn't have her mom and she was left sobbing in a pile of dirty clothes. She said she does her own makeup before the shows because she had to teach herself where beauty was and how to use makeup. Evans talked about her amateur wrestling career. She said she juggled a job, wrestling, and school all at the same time. She would come home in the rain and find her father high and asleep with a cigarette in his mouth, a lit cigarette in his mouth. She said not everyone has been in situations that scare them to death. She said that she's confident, a wife, a mother, a Marine, and a WWE superstar. She said she's not better than the other superstars, and they sure aren't better than her. I don't find any interest in these Lacey Evans storylines, man. Nothing going on there that really says to me, oh man, I can't wait to see her back. All of this shit sounds so incredibly forced. It does like I got I this is all probably genuine and real life shit that she's talking about. But my God, the way it's being read and the way that it's being scripted and coming off on television, it makes it sound so incredibly fucking forced. It don't even sound natural. I have no interest in seeing her do what she's doing, and I don't really care to hear her sob stories, man. It doesn't even come off as genuine. It probably is, but it doesn't come off as genuine. I don't know what value she's going to bring the women's division. I don't know what to think about any of this I don't know where their end game is going with this. The crowd doesn't really seem to care either. They did this the first time with Lacey Evans, man. This is just a rehash of what they did before she got knocked up. That's it. She was doing the whole old uh, vintage look that she was doing, you know, uh, calling everybody nasties. They did the same thing with Lacey Evans then, and now they're doing it. Again, all over, but this time without the gimmick. This shit sucks. No interest in anything she's doing or saying at all. We got Drew McIntyre and Sami Zayn in the main event, finally. Drew McIntyre and Sami Zayn, lumberjack match. I hate lumberjack matches, man. I think they're absolutely fucking awful. I think they're so cringe. They're all the same. Nothing about it is exciting. We had RK Bro, the Viking Raiders, Mansoor. This is the fucking first time Mansoor's been on SmackDown since the draft. Jinder Mahal, Shinsuke Nakamura, The New Day, Shanky, 
Sheamus, Ridge Holland, Butch, and the Usos. They're all out there. All lumberjacks. McIntyre and Zayn were having a decent match. The finish was kind of lame because even in a lumberjack match, Sami Zayn still ran away. So the lumberjack match is supposed to keep everybody inside the ring. WWE defied the uh, logic laws here, and they pretty much made the entire lumberjack match fucking worthless. It, it, it defeats the purpose of the lumberjack match, and all this lumberjack match did was set up another match between these two next week on Friday night. So the bell rang. Sami Zayn jumped out of the ring. He tried to escape. The uh, lumberjacks would not let him leave and threw Zayn back in the ring. McIntyre backed Zayn into a corner, took it to him with some hard chops. Zayn sent McIntyre to the floor, and all the heels started beating up on him before throwing him back in. That really does not... It, it, it should not happen in a lumberjack, man. It's all the same shit. All the babyface gets thrown out. The heel lumberjacks put the boots to the babyface. It's so fucking lame. It really is. So, the face lumberjacks wouldn't let uh, him leave. Like I said, Zayn uh, was back in the ring. McIntyre back Zayn in the corner. He, he goes out to the floor, does McIntyre. Heels are putting the boost to him. They throw him back in. The face and heel lumberjacks all now started to face off. Sheamus and Holland took more shots at McIntyre, threw him back in. McIntyre recovered and took it to Zayn with a glass cow kiss. He followed up with two belly-to-belly suplexes and a neckbreaker. McIntyre went for the Claymore kick, but Zayn rolled out of the ring. RK-Bro tried to throw Zayn back in, but the Usos rocked them with super kicks. So they took out RK-Bro with super kicks on the outside. So all the Lumberjacks now started brawling at ringside. Zayn tried to run off. McIntyre caught Zayn and threw him back in. McIntyre hit a huge dive over the top rope and took out all the lumberjacks who were just kind of joined together on the outside in one big pile. Zayn took the chance to run through the crowd and escape the ring, and there was no bell that rung. There was no count out or anything. There's no rules. There's no rules here. So the match ended with Sami Zayn running away and Adam Pearce coming out and said he didn't think a lumberjack match could end this way, but Sami Zayn proved him wrong. Pierce then announced next week McIntyre versus Zayn in a steel cage match. After the match was over, Mahal and Shanky jumped McIntyre as he yelled at Zayn in the crowd. McIntyre fought back, hit the Claymore kick on Mahal. He went over to McAfee and gave Zayn a warning to end the broadcast in Pat McAfee's headset. I don't know, man. This show is a fucking disaster every single week. There's legitimately nothing to like about SmackDown. And the fact that Roman doesn't have an opponent, Roman doesn't have a title defense at Backlash, it only makes SmackDown that much more worse. Next week, WWE's got a two-for-one, man. I hate lumberjack matches. And the other thing that I hate that they do are these beat-the-clock challenges. We got a beat-the-clock challenge next week. On SmackDown, man, with Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair competing in who can beat their opponent quicker. Wow. That is fucking what I call riveting television. McIntyre takes on Sami Zayn in a steel cage. Ricochet defends the IC title against Shanky. And Raquel Gonzalez Rodriguez makes her in-ring debut on Friday Night SmackDown. Show sucks. The show is fucking awful. 
You guys are not awful, though, man. I love you guys. Thank you for joining me on your Friday night, man. Fridays are uh, skippable moments, man. Nobody watches Friday Night SmackDown. Nobody watches the live streams on uh, on YouTube in the in the community. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. I care though. I care about you guys. I care about Manscaped. Manscaped.com. They're sponsoring the show tonight. I want to thank my great friends over at Manscaped, man. Guys, spring is on its way. It's time for that spring cleaning. The carpets need cleaning, the drapes need dusting, and your lawn needs mowing. Spring is about to spring up. And the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning aisle five in your pants. It's time to clear out that winter bush and join the four million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com. 20% off when you guys use that code SCRIPT20. 20% off and free shipping, man. Manscaped and the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 is the only tool you guys need to keep your boys looking and smelling like fresh tulips in the springtime, man. To start off your spring cleaning, use Manscaped's Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer. You're always going to get the precise shave you want. And it's waterproof as well, man. No need to worry about watering your grass with this tool. Equipped with the LED light that it comes with, you guys know it'll be a major asset to the new shower routine. Clear your holes and smell the spring air with the Weed Whacker. This is a nose and ear hair trimmer with skin-safe technology that helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. And then after clearing your nose, make sure you get rid of that foul ball smell with Manscaped's Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, man. Awesome stuff. You're going to finish off your grooming routine with the Plow 2.0. It's the perfect razor for the finest shave on your face. Because if you're using the lawnmower 4.0 on your balls and your face, you're doing it all wrong, guys. You're doing it all wrong. Also, April, the month of April, is Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men ages 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, families, all impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. If you guys needed any more reason to purchase Manscaped this month, there you go. 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com. That is code SCRIPT20, and I want to thank Manscaped for once again sponsoring off the script right here for the SmackDown and AEW Rampage post-show on Friday night. We're going to run through this Rampage review pretty quick, man. Rampage, four matches deep. We had the Adam Cole versus Tomohiro Ishii. Owen Hart Cup qualifying match. Easily the best thing on the show tonight. And Adam Cole defeated Tomohiro Ishii in about 11 minutes to qualify for the Owen Hart Cup. That makes Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Samoa Joe so far, I believe, as the men who have advanced to the Owen Hart Cup. On Wednesday, we're going to get Dax Harwood of FTR versus Cash Wheeler of FTR. So both these guys, the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, FTR, are going to be battling one-on-one for the right 
to get into this tournament, man. I love it. I love it. But Adam Cole, man, I think he's got a great shot of winning the tournament, and there's going to be a lot of great potential matchups for Adam Cole and anybody that's in that tournament, man. It, it's, it just feels like it's going to be a big deal. I got to commend Tony Khan, man, for giving all of these qualify. First of all, for doing qualifying matches. You don't really see anybody doing qualifying matches. In WWE, this would have been eight fucking people like their shit King of the Ring tournament last year. Eight random fucking people just chosen to be in a goddamn tournament. No rhyme or reason why they're there. They, they chose names out of a hat. And Tony Khan here is doing qualifying matches to make it all seem important instead of just picking random fucking names. You got to earn your way in. So I got to commend him for taking the Owen Hart Cup and I hope that this is a yearly thing, taking the Owen Hart Cup and really making it feel important. I love when a tournament comes off as important. Tournaments are some of my most favorite things on wrestling TV. I think a tournament is a great way to build a new established star. And it's a great way to bring, I would say, a level of competition to the show that it might be missing. And I feel like with this and the meaning of this, Everybody's going to want to be involved, and everybody's going to put their best foot forward because not only is it the first year of the Owen Hart Cup tournament, it's Owen Hart, and everybody's going to want to be a part of that because of how influential he was to them and their career. So I love everything about this so far, and I can't wait for the tournament to actually officially kick off on AEW television. So Adam Cole and Tomohiro Ishii, man, they got no entrances. The entrances, I don't know why AEW does this. They do the entrances for four minutes on YouTube. I don't really get why they do that. I don't want to be without an Adam Cole entrance because I like it. So they had the entrances on YouTube, and when Rampage started right then, the bell rung, and we get right into the match. So we got a shoulder tackle sending Cole flying out of the ring. Uh, Ishii is a, a monster of a man. He is built like a fucking house, is Ishii. Cole drove Ishii into the corner with some kicks, and Cole, he stopped to do Bay Bay to the crowd. Ishii got angry. And he dropped him with a huge knife-edge chop. So we're outside to the floor now. Cole ducked a clothesline, causing Ishii to hit the steel post instead. Cole sent Ishii into the ring, uh, or ring barricade, rather, then tossed him back into the ring, and he was putting the boots to him in the ring. Cole drove a knee into Ishii's back, worked a chin lock, slowing the match down a little bit. Cole followed up with a nice-looking neck breaker. He then tried slapping Ishii around a bit, but... Uh, that was a mistake and only angered the big man. He no-sold did Ishii a series of forearms. He was almost walking into Adam Cole forearms. Ishii then dropped Cole with a single forearm, caught Cole with a spinning power slam. He then hit a backdrop suplex, went for a cover, and got a near fall. Cole hit the Yushigoroshi on Ishii, and he then fights back, does Ishii, hits a delayed superplex for a near fall, Cole dodged a sliding lariat, hit a super kick on Ishii. Cole went to lower the boom, but Ishii ducked and hit the sliding lariat anyway. He goes for recovery, gets a near fall. Ishii went for a brain buster. Cole carried it with a brain buster of his own. Cole went for the Panama Sunrise, but Ishii avoided that and hit an enziguri. So at this point in the match, both guys are down, and Ishii made it to his feet first. He gets up, he hits Cole with a headbutt. Cole came back with a super kick. Ishii flattened Cole with a clothesline. Jay White, switchblade Jay White walks down. He attacks Rocky Romero, who's outside. 
in Ishii's corner with Orange Cassidy. He threw Romero into the ringside steps to Jay White. This distracted uh, Ishii, and this allowed Cole to hit Ishii with a low blow. Cole then lowered the boom, and he got the one, two, three. And Adam Cole advances in the Owen Hart Cup Foundation Tournament. Awesome. Very good match. Crowd was kind of dead, to be uh, to be fair. I don't know why. It looked like they were incredibly drained from the show. I thought this was going to be a lot louder than it was for Ishii and Adam Cole to really, especially after the announcement of Forbidden Door on Wednesday, you would think that the crowd would have been a lot louder for this match. They, they were not. But the match was enjoyable, and the match was entertaining, man. I liked what I saw. Adam Cole advances, and he gets the Forbidden Door uh, feel of this whole announcement kicked off on Rampage tonight, and we got Adam Cole advancing in the tournament. Excellent match between these two guys. Jericho. Jericho and the Jericho Appreciation Society, they're, uh, they're not allowed in the building tonight. Eddie Kingston and Daniel Garcia are going to be doing their thing on their own. So AEW Security threw Jericho and his Appreciation Society out of the building, except for Danny Garcia, who obviously is wrestling Eddie Kingston tonight. Jericho is filing a plaint with HR over this. Danny Garcia told Jericho, it's all right, leave the building. I'm going to handle this on my own. I'm promising you I'm going to win, and I'm going to beat Eddie Kingston because he is a sports entertainer. Hook. Hook. Of all the weeks we've seen Hook, the man known as Hook, he finally speaks. There was a segment backstage where we had Hook being interviewed again. Everybody wants to hear from Hook. Danhausen, he turns the corner as the interviewer is asking him a question. And Danhausen is standing there with a bag of potato chips. And he's dumping the chips on the floor. And he's stepping and destroying all the, all the potato chips. And he's mentioning something about his potato chips having magical powers. Uh, these, uh, these, uh, these chips of yours, uh, take that, your, your powerful potato chips. So Hook backs Danhausen into a wall, and you wanted my attention? You got it. Hook speaks for the first time. Everybody was excited about this man speaking finally on AEW television, man. People popped on the internet for Hook actually saying words out of his mouth. It's crazy. So, man, it's, it's crazy, man, that that popped people on social media. The lore and the, and the overall fucking vibe of Hook, man, it's crazy. It's crazy. Him and his fucking crazy hair. Gotta love it. Lance Archer, this guy absolutely destroyed Serpentico tonight because he's being paid a lot of money to take out Wardlow, so he had to destroy poor old Serpentico. He tried to tope suicida before the bell and... That went uh, as you'd expect. He did not even phase the big man, Lance Archer. A suplex and everybody dies. Finished Serpentico off. And after the match, or the blackout, I believe he calls it. Uh, after the match, Archer chokeslammed Serpentico not once, twice, three times. He was going to go for a fourth time. He was mocking Wardlow and the Powerbomb Symphony. Sean Spears was on commentary during this match. And he was very enthusiastic about the money that they're paying Archer to take out that pig, Wardlow, on Wednesday. Should be a great match. 
Very much looking forward to the next chapter in this Wardlow MJF saga, man. It's going to be a great match with Wardlow and Lance Archer. So he did not do the fourth choke slam. He said, fuck this shit. I'm not popping you fans. You want to see a fourth choke slam? You're going to watch me on Dynamite Wednesday and watch me do it to Wardlow. Mark Sterling. He's now rating video packages now of Tony Nese highlights. I like this pairing. I think Mark Sterling and Tony Nese make a very good pairing, man. I like that. I, and I, I like that Tony Nese is getting some TV time and getting some sort of direction on TV. It's great. He's so good, is Tony Nese. Eddie Kingston. This did not excite me that... I, I wanted to like this, but it did not excite me in the way that I expected it to excite me. This match with Eddie Kingston and Danny Garcia, man, it didn't do anything for me. And I don't know if it was how lame duck the match was or if the crowd was, you know, as silent as they were taking me out of it or, or just a mixture of both. I didn't feel really any excitement towards this match. You know, I, I think it honestly might be fatigue with the whole Eddie Kingston and Jericho feud. I really just want all of it to come to an end. I feel like it's been rinse and repeat every single week. Not that this was a bad match by any means. I just don't care. I just don't care. And I'm a big Eddie Kingston guy. So everybody here is barred from the building, banned from the building here. And Kingston is brawling with Garcia right at the top, takes the fight outside. He's whipping Garcia into the barricade and into the steel stairs. Kingston missed a charge and collided with the stairs at one point. Garcia took control of the match. He was burying his knees into Kingston's ribs. Kingston came back with some chops. Garcia hit a shoulder to the ribs. So obviously that was the story of the match here for Danny Garcia. So Garcia worked over Kingston in the corner with some forearms, started to bite Eddie Kingston on the top of his head. Kingston came back and went for Garcia's ear, biting his ear. The fight went to the floor again, and Garcia sent Kingston into the ring post. So both guys are in the middle of the ring. They're going blow for blow, exchanging strikes. Kingston went for a suplex, but Garcia countered into an abdominal stretch to work on the ribcage. Kingston tried to counter, but Garcia turned that into a German suplex for a near fall. Garcia then was putting the boots to Kingston in the corner. Garcia charged into a boot, and Kingston followed up with a knee off the middle rope. Kingston went for a DDT. Garcia took him down with a double leg takedown, put on the Boston Crab, Kingston made it to the ropes, but Garcia pulled it back and applied a sharpshooter. Kingston got to the rope again to break the hold. The sharpshooter wasn't even applied for about three seconds. Garcia went for another sharpshooter. Kingston kicked out and caught Garcia with a very sloppy enziguri. Half and half suplex from Kingston. He goes for cover. He gets a near fall off the suplex. Garcia avoided a spinning back fist. Kingston caught him with a backdrop suplex and then hit the spinning back fist and a pin, and that was it for Eddie Kingston. One, two, three, he beats Danny Garcia. After the match, Kingston threatened whipping Garcia with his belt, but then got on the microphone and told Garcia that he's going to spare him and that the beating was a message for your boss, Chris Jericho. So there you go. Kingston beats Garcia. When we're going to get this uh, Kingston and Jericho story to end, I don't know. Not really engaged in the overall story because I feel like it should have already come to an end. Tony Schiavone interviewed Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter, and Britt Baker about the Owen Hart Cup women's side of the tournament. Tony Storm took over the promo and promised to win the entire tournament. I'll see Jamie Hayter, she says in the first round. Britt, 
I may see you down the road. That may end up being the finals of the tournament. Tony Storm and Britt Baker in the finals of this tournament. Man, Ruby Soho is already qualified for this tournament as well. So we got some we got some competition in this tournament. Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter, Britt Baker, and Ruby Soho all have advanced into the Owen Hart Cup Women's Tournament. So we got Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. A nice vignette here about them meeting in the tournament next week. I like what we saw here from these two guys. They're both promising to win it. They both promise it will be physical. And a lot of people are claiming that Bret Hart may actually come out and be a part of this thing. But after rumors and news circulated today that WWE signed Bret Hart to a lucrative deal that may not be in the cards anymore. So we'll talk about that on Off the Script this weekend when I go live on Sunday with episode 427. But I did like the vignette, and I'm very much looking forward to that match. That is going to be a banger. That is going to be a certified banger on Dynamite. And I'd actually open up with that. I'd open the show up on Wednesday with that match. Dax versus Cash. Should be awesome. Jay Cargill. She was with Mark Sterling and the baddies at ringside. Kiera Hogan, Red Velvet, and two other women that I did not recognize. She defended the TBS title against Marina Shafir in the main events. This was not good at all. It wasn't terrible. This was a lot better than Marina's first match that we saw on Dynamite, where it got little to zero reaction. But my God, man, this was utterly boring. Jay Cargill should not be in something like this. I don't know why we are giving title shots to Marina Shafir, man, she's just not good. There's nothing exciting about her. I said this on Wednesday when we did the thing with Jesse and talked about Shafir's debut. I am so over the MMA shtick. I'm over these shoot-fight gimmicks. It don't work. And Marina Shafir has absolutely no personality whatsoever. She's not good for AEW television. I don't want to see her again. This was her one shot. That's it. Goodbye. So Shafir started with some leg kicks, and she was going at Jade with some kicks. Cargill took the advantage with a fallaway slam and a clothesline to the floor. Cargill dominated early. Sterling distracted the referee. Red Velvet and Kira Hogan were beating on Shafir from the crowd in the baddie section. So we're back in the ring. Cargill got a, a near fall off of a back suplex. Jade then with the ground-to-pound offense and posing, kind of taunting Shafir, this allowed Shafir to pick Cargill's leg and lock on a submission hold. Cargill powered out, got another near fall as she went for uh, some offense. We go to commercial. We do a split screen. We're back from commercial. And Cargill had an abdominal stretch on, on Shafir. She escaped, did Marina, with a hip toss. Shafir went after Cargill's knees and locked on a knee bar. Cargill got to the ropes. That forced a break. Shafir wrapped Cargill's leg against the steel post, hip-tossed Mark Sterling because I guess everybody wants to get their hands on Mark Sterling, so she took him out on the floor. The baddies in the baddie section distracted Shafir by throwing popcorn at her. So Cargill comes from behind. Shafir's giving them the middle finger. Cargill comes from behind, blindsided her with a massive pump kick. Beautiful. Cargill chokeslammed Shafir on the timekeeper's table. It did not break. And it really did not need to be in the match at all. I don't don't know why we had that spot in the match. The pump kick was all that you needed there. You didn't need to try and put her through the table, but 
They tried it anyway, and it didn't break. Cargill then dumped Shafir back into the ring and celebrated with the baddies at ringside. They were fanning her off. Cargill went for a very, very sloppy and arrogant cover by putting her boot on Marina Shafir and making a very lazy cover. Shafir picked her ankle, went for a heel hook. Jade kicked her way out of it with some kicks to the face and freed herself and then finished Shafir off with jaded one, two, three. Jade wins. She's 30 and 0. The money popped up from the ring posts and balloons fell down from the sky. And they all celebrated as she retains the TBS championship and now goes undefeated at 30 and 0. It was just another episode of Rampage. Just another episode of Rampage, man. I don't know what it was tonight. I Outside the Adam Cole and Ishii match, I, I did not really care for anything on this show. Same thing with SmackDown, man. A very, very, very uneventful Friday night of wrestling, man. Friday, to be honest with you, Friday is the most boring night of wrestling all week. It really is. SmackDown is complete shit, and Rampage is just a show. It's just one hour of television that has real no, no real importance to it. You, you may get a, a banger on there once in a while, but, I mean, I, I just, I'm not feeling Rampage in its current format, in its current time slot. I'm not. I, I need it to be live, and I need it to really pick up the end. There's no energy to it. There's no energy to Rampage. When it was live for the Adam Cole and Ant Page match, it was a great show. This week, not so much. Anyway, guys, we're going to go over the Super Chats in just a second. I appreciate you guys hanging out with me on your Friday night, man. I know Friday night is a tough night. You're probably out. It was beautiful in New York City today. It was 70 degrees. Probably out. Probably watching the NBA playoff games, man. Fuck wrestling podcasts on uh, on YouTube. A lot of other shit going on. But I appreciate you guys hanging out with me. Those that were here on this Friday night. Hit that thumbs up, guys. We got 676 likes in the chat. If you guys are in the chat and have not hit the thumbs up, please do so. Helps me out. Helps the video out on YouTube. So hit that thumbs up, man. Let's try for 1,000 likes minimum on today's OTS. Smackdown and Rampage post show. Get your super chats in, man. We're going to hang out in just a second. Hit that join button. We got three new members tonight, man. I appreciate you guys joining the VIP club, becoming a channel member right here on Off the Script. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. And like I said, hit that subscribe button down below and turn on the bell for all notifications. I may. Today, after, after the show's over, I actually have to fill out the questionnaire and fill out all the appropriate information, but I will be I will be signing up for post-show scrum uh, media tickets for the Forbidden Door. I, I, I may contemplate, if I get passes, which I should, because I'm an AEW shill, let's be real. Um, if I get passes, I may be making the trip to Chicago in June for Forbidden Door, so... If I'm in Chicago, we're doing a meet and greet. Jesse and I are doing a meet and greet. So we'll be uh, we'll be doing that, and I'll keep you guys posted on that, man. It should be a great show. Forbidden Door. And all the rumors and all the speculation, man, all these dream matches that could be. The one match I want is Okada versus Brian. I think we're going to get Okada versus Punk. But if I was to make a choice, I want Okada and Danielson. That's what I want. So we'll see what happens there. I'll keep you guys updated on all of that in Chicago because I won't be making Vegas and I want to do an AEW show before All Out. 
So this seems like the perfect opportunity. Let's get into the Super Chats, man. Start at the top here. Jeremy Harris with a $10 Super Chat. What's happening, JD? How have you been, man? So funny thing, my brother showed me a picture of Elias and Ezekiel in a picture together. It looks real to me, but don't know for sure. Cheers to a great podcast, man. Uh, Jeremy, that was a photoshopped picture of Elias and Ezekiel. I actually posted that same picture on my Twitter. If you look at if you look at Ezekiel's right arm in that picture, it does not look like the size of Elias's arm. It's somebody else, man. They doctored the picture and put Ezekiel's head on somebody else's body. Ryan Heisler with a 499 Super Chat. Hello, JD. Do you sell food in the venue? I would like a hot pastrami on a Ludwig Kaiser roll with a nice helping of spicy Denzel Dejournet. Thanks. Yes, we got the finest bar food in all the land, bro. Titus and the kitchen. Working overtime as always, man. Flavor Dave with a Canadian $20 Super Chat. Hey, JD, in my opinion, Roman is the best champion since Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. He's had many non-WrestleMania-worthy matches, yet none of his WrestleMania matches are WrestleMania-worthy except 31 and 37. What do you think the problem is? Quality in his opponent. Roman was a young Roman at 31 against Brock Lesnar. Plus, you had the Seth Rollins cash-in. And WrestleMania 37, he was in there with two of the best guys that the company has to offer, Edge and, and Daniel Bryan. It's just the quality of opponent, man. Just the quality of opponent. He had a great WrestleMania main event last year. There's no reason why it couldn't be the same thing this year, but that's what you get with Brock Lesnar, man. Brock Lesnar's just uh, a one-trick pony. He's there to collect, and he's not there to really impress anybody. Joseph Taylor with a final super chat. Adam Cole, Tomohiro Ishii, Eddie Kingston, Daniel Garcia, matches of the night. I enjoyed Cole and Ishii. That was my match of the night for Rampage. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. I see Cole versus O'Reilly in the Owen Hart Cup. I, you know, I was actually thinking that myself. I think we get a nice little throwback to their NXT TakeOver match. Should be great. Tony Brown with a $4.99 Super Chat. The baddies, he says. A lot of booty meat in the baddies section, brother. Sure you're all over that. JP5150 becomes a member for 20 months in the OTS VIP club. Thank you, JP. Casa Dragones on me, brother. I'm literally halfway to the coveted gold mic status. A long journey that's probably more enjoyable than SmackDown with my usual Casa Dragones on ice. Thank you, man. Four more months and you got that elite gold microphone, man, which is only held by two people. Two people. Tan May and Stu Sexton have gold microphones, man. Seems like you're going to be joining them in the exclusive VIP club. Max Black with a $5 in UK Super Chat. I'm starting to think that they use Shinsuke Nakamura to distract us from asking questions about how hurt Roman was. But I appreciate what you do. Max, you may be correct on that. You may be absolutely correct on that. Lost Star DB with a $5 super chat. Been listening to your podcast while at work. Helps the day pass by. Keep killing it. Thank you, Lost Star. We got some good things coming up, man. I'm glad I could keep you entertained at work, brother. Stretch 
Dollars becomes a new member in the OTS VIP room. Stretch, what are you drinking, man? First round is on me. I saw with a Canadian $2 Super Chat. Are you going to Dynamite in New York on May 11th? No, I am not. I am not going to Dynamite in New York on May 11th. Captain Solo with a $5 Super Chat. Gulak and Sami Zayn are booked like the two biggest geeks in wrestling. Hope the money they are making is worth it. They deserve so much better. Joseph Morrison becomes a member inside the OTS VIP lounge. Joseph, what are you drinking, brother? The first round is on me tonight. Joseph Taylor with a two-dollar super chat. I can see Fabian Eichner getting released after backlash. I honestly think Fabian's going to be a part of a new group with Tony D'Angelo to help him battle Legado del Fantasma. That's my prediction there. Steven Escalante Gonzalez with a 199 Super Chat. Can I get a prayer? My great-grandma passed away. I'm sorry, I'm sorry about that, Steven. Everybody throw out those prayer emojis for Steven and his great-grandmother passing away. Sorry to hear that, man. Jimmy Belenko becomes a new member in the OTS VIP Lounge. Jimmy, welcome, my friend. What are you drinking tonight, man? Dickens Dumont with a 199 Super Chat. He leaves no message. Dickens, put it in the tip jar. I don't need it, brother. TM or T-minus. T-minus with a $10 Super Chat. Was there for Rampage, and I feel like they should not tape Rampage much. The crowd was dead and leaving during the TBS Championship match. Also, Jade had botches that didn't make air because it was taped. I'd love to see the real thing then, man. It did come off a little polished, now that you mention it. And yes, like the crowd was alive for Dynamite, and they were filled. That venue was fucking packed, man. But it looked like they dimmed the lights a little bit for Rampage, and it looked like there were, you know, a lot more empty seats for Rampage. It's it's a shame. Rampage has to be live, man. This tape shit sucks. Golden Boy with a seven-month membership. Thank you, brother. Today was a slow wrestling day, but as always, the venue is the place to be. Lift your drinks, give a toast, and smash that like button. There's only one JD. Thank you, brother. Shell John with a 499 Super Chat. What's up, JD? King always. Sorry, I can't comment on the shows. I don't watch SmackDown and Rampage is in the middle of work. It's all right, bro. That's all right, Shell. As long as you're here. As long as you're here. Thank you for the $5 in Super Chat. Jimmy Belenko with an Australian mite. $5 Super Chat. Hey, JD, great job with the live reviews. I finally got a new job, so I was able to become a member. Just letting you know, Discord link expired. New link, I'll post it in the YouTube community section, bro. For all my members, you'll see it in the community section on YouTube. In fact, you know what? Let me, um... Let me do that now. Hold on. I'm going to do it for uh, my boy Jimmy Belenka. Hold on. Invite people. Hey, guys. There you go, guys. 
There is your Discord link in the chat right there. I'll pin it right at the top. There you go, brother. Best in the world with a $5 super chat. If Cody does not take the money in the bank, who would be your second choice? Drew McIntyre. Jamari Davis with a $4.99 super chat. Hi, JD. It's my birthday today. Can I get a shout out on Off the Scripts? Everybody, give me those birthday cake emojis for Jamari Davis. Happy birthday, brother. Riddick's Classic Arcade with a 19-month membership. Getting closer to that gold VIP mic status. You deserve the support, brother. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it, man. NBA Youngboy fan with a 199 Super Chat. Who's a bigger WWE shill? Ryan Satin or Booker T? Ryan Satin may be the biggest WWE cocksucker that ever lived. He's got such a punchable face, it's fucking not even funny. Such a bullshit artist is Ryan Satin. Eddie Hazard with a 1999 Super Chat. I was in the crowd in Pittsburgh. We seemed quieter during Rampage because we were exhausted from Dynamite. Plus dark tapings. One of the weakest of tapings Rampages after Dynamite. Plus couldn't hear backstage promos very well. Yeah, man, that shit sucks, man. I, I, don't, I don't really envy you guys at all for any of that, man. That's a long fucking night. You got to sit through dynamite and then dark tapings and then rampage. That's that's a long day, bro. Really. I I, I honestly would have left after dynamite. That's just me. Thank you, Eddie, with the twenty. Uh, best in the world, five dollars super chat. Have you seen Brock on the McAfee show? He says today's wrestlers are too worried about spot fests and not about putting asses in seats. I did see that clip, man. You know, Brock has his own problems, man. Brock may not be about spot fests, but Brock really isn't all that uh, imaginative in the ring anymore. Brock does what he does to get by, man, and it's boring. Joseph Morrison with a $5 super chat. I used to be a fan of Kevin Castle, but he's become way too biased towards WWE, and I'm drinking a Jameson. Kevin's been doing this a long time, Joseph. If he is the way he is, he's earned the right to be the way he is, man. He's always treated me with respect. And he's always been very kind to me. Hopefully one of these days, him and I will uh, share a cold beverage. I don't think he drinks, but I'll get him a Shirley Temple. Thank you, Joseph. Brandon James Shea with a $2 Super Chat. The Mets have a good baseball team in 2022. Yeah, they do. In a typical Met fashion, they'll probably end up collapsing in the middle of the season. That's all I got for you guys tonight, man. That's all I got for you tonight for the SmackDown and AEW Rampage post show right here on Off the Scripts. Again, guys, I'm very excited about the projects that we got coming up, man. I'm going to have my team over at Deviate Designs to uh, continue to add to the venue, man. There are ideas that I got. 
I'm looking at getting a nice beer garden for the summer. I'm looking at getting a VIP room where we can sit down and go over Super Chats. It's going to be awesome, man. It's going to be awesome. Taking the podcast production to the next level, man. Seriously. It's going to be awesome. Anyway, guys, I want to thank you all for uh, hanging out with me on this Friday night. I know there were probably other things a lot more entertaining than pro wrestling on your Friday night, but it's always fun to kind of vent and let off some steam in the venue. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. Twitter and Instagram, hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications, guys. I need you to hit the thumbs up, man. Looks like we didn't hit the goal of a 1,000, man. Friday nights just fucking suck, man. They're weak. Can we at least get to 800 likes? Let's try and get 800 likes in the live stream chat tonight, man. If you guys are in the chat and have not hit the thumbs up, please do so. Thank you for all the super chats tonight. Thank you for all the new members that have walked through the VIP club, man. I appreciate you guys very much. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. We're nearing 40,000 followers on Twitter. Thank you guys for all of your support. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Tons of it. Next time you'll see me back live is Sunday night. We're going to do Off the Script, episode 427. Should be a good one, man. So RSVP, when you see that, hit your sub boxes. And go check out my friends over at Manscaped, man. Manscaped.com. You guys are going to use that code SCRIPT20 at checkout to save 20% off and get that free shipping. It is Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. So if you guys are going to buy Manscaped, man, you're helping out. And it's going to a great, great cause. I appreciate you guys, man. Again, thank you for everything tonight. And I'm about to get out of here, man. I need two things from you all right now before I roll the window up and drive away, man. I need those guitar emojis in the chat. I need those Mustang emojis from my VIPs because you got them. And I need that music on max. Guys, I'll see you back live Sunday nights for episode 427 of Off The Script. Until then, take care, guys. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.